This is the Big Issues Better Pod, acting today for a better tomorrow. However much they rely on police and excessive force, it doesn't mean that we can't win on the, on the, on the overall big issue that people are protesting about. Our rights have never been handed to us by kings and queens. They've been fought for and won through protest. In their new book, Charged, How the Police Try to Suppress Protest, criminal defence lawyer Matt Foote and documentary filmmaker and writer Morag Livingston uncover the lengths to which the police in the UK have gone to suppress those protests. Through eyewitness account and previously unseen documents, they reveal organised police violence against miners at Orgreave, print workers at Warrington, anti-poll tax campaigners, student protesters and Black Lives Matter activists. But, they tell Batterpod, protesters will not be silenced. They have useful advice for activists on how to continue making their voices heard in the face of new restrictions brought in by the 2022 Policing Act. I'm Laura Kelly, Future Generations Editor at The Big Issue. I lead a team of exciting young journalists from backgrounds that are traditionally underrepresented in the media. My name's Sophie Dimitrievich and I'm part of the Future Generations team here at The Big Issue. I've been given the opportunity to speak on issues close to my heart here and as a young person I'm determined to use my position to help shed light on things people like me wouldn't normally have the chance to. So we talked a lot about protests with Matt and Morag. What did you learn from that Sophie? Coming from a very vocal and opinionated background I've always had an interest in fighting for freedom and our rights but I kind of found myself shying away from things like actually going to protests and actually taking part in it as... I've heard all these horror stories of just police brutality and control that has been taken over that's happened during protesting. But um, Matt and Morag helped me understand my rights as a protester and where all these horror stories come from and how we should be understanding the past in order to understand our rights for the future. Hi, Matt and Morag. Thanks very much for joining Sophie and me on BetterPod. Hello, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. On Better Pod, we talk about the ways that we can act today for a better tomorrow. And I would really like to start today with the basics. Why is it that protest is an important factor in building a better society and building a better world? All the most important rights we have uh, have been won by protest. Uh, we, the One part of our education system suggests that um, it's been handed down to us these rights by important kings and queens. But the reality is that the right to vote, the right to have unions, the right to collectivise, um, the, the right for equal pay, all of these have come about through um, uh, rigorous, uh, exciting, uh, difficult uh, protests where people have uh, committed themselves sometimes over many years um, to radical protest in order to win to win these rights. So, I mean, we just take one example. The suffragettes um, fought for many years. A thousand suffragettes went to prison um, for the cause, and uh, they never would have women never would have won the vote if if the suffragettes had not fought fought for those rights. So, it's absolutely essential and a very exciting part of um, 
British history, which needs to be cherished and um, celebrated wherever it can. Exactly, and I think just to add to that, you know, it's an it's it is an enshrined right, and it it's an excellent way for Parliament to hear what the public are thinking. Why do you think your book is an important read for people like me, especially? Because I feel like with young people. I know most of my friends don't really engage in protest, but it's something that they've really been interested in. So I was just wondering what words of advice you'd give for them or anything you think would be important in the book that you'd like to share with them. Part of the reason of writing the book was for young people, because I think we've seen these wonderful protests over Extinction Rebellion or, or the Black Lives Matter um, that, have been, that have come from nowhere and have, have protested across the country. Um, and I think people sometimes they can feel when they're part of a of a movement and a protest that they're, they're the first people to experience that process. And so part of the reason for the book was to explain to people that some of the things they're going through on these protests have happened before, um, it, sometimes in different ways, but the echoes of what's going on and, and to learn that we all need to learn from our history in order to be able to carry the arguments today and as to what the police are up to and how they've done this before and how it's been a long an ongoing process to try and undermine dissent and and i think from within the book sophie you know there's a couple of examples there's the criminal justice act of 94 where you know 200,000 people got together and wanted a party in Hyde Park you know a, a rave and that that was disallowed and and violently treated now they didn't win but they did manage to hold back or stymie some of the um more violent aspects of, of the police going forward and then you've got the poll tax of uh, 1990 which again 200,000 people came to London but there were tens of thousands across Britain at the same time and they not only stopped the protests but you know eventually um, a few months later sorry Margaret Thatcher was the prime minister was forced from from her office you know, so and it's also a celebration in that way of what can be achieved. And, and more recently, Extinction Rebellion have got and and the schools walkout have got climate change onto the agenda when it was way at the bottom, and it's been pushed up. Um, and then Black Lives Matter have have um, almost forced Britain to relook at itself and and say, well, there's so there's a long way to go, and it started that conversation. It's changed school curriculums. It's you know in a very short space of time. So it's also a celebration of um, what can be achieved as well. Um, you know, by all, but particularly young people in the future. What would you say are the essential ways the right to protest have been undermined? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think the, uh, the central ways are, well, what we're facing today is even more scary. But in the past, it's the ability of the police to use paramilitary tactics against protesters, to use brute force to... Um, under, to literally smash protesters uh, whilst hiding <laughs> the fact that that is what's going on it is is probably the, the, the key thing to, to, to take from the book. But I, I think the effect of, if we just add to kettling into that, which is this sort of the extension that they were so confident that they could even extend beyond the manual uh, and, and kettling, whilst there's been containment in the past, the kettling is, is new in the sense of just surrounding people in a very tight circle for hours with no 
ability to to eat or or drink. Um, what what that does is it makes people not want to turn up again, uh, and so they've had this ability of base using the brute force and using physical force in a different way to to t- to undermine dissent. It, it it doesn't stop it completely, which is the beauty of things like Black Lives Matter and you know so they haven't won, but it is an ongoing process. But I think those are the two things: the use of brute force and the use of kettling um, are probably the two key things that have happened in those 40 years. Yeah, I think, and they're they're kind of the public facing, but I think they've been able to get away with it, if you like, because of the collusion that's gone on behind closed doors. And I'm, I'm sure that you've seen, um, you know, government and policing, the police are operationally independent um, during protest, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, one of the things that the book addresses quite early on is that actually the Home Office was instigated the handbook and these new tactics or, you know, formalising these new tactics. And they crossed that line of operational independence because the, the Home Office should never have been involved. You know, they even celebrated it with a party, um, its creation, before it was put out there. For our readers, Morag, um, would you mind telling us a little bit about the handbook? So they, they may not know what you mean by that. What what was the handbook? There were riots in Britain in 1981, uh, race riots in Brixton uh, in London, but also elsewhere in the UK. And after that, the government commissioned a report by um, a, a gentleman, Lord Scarman. And Scarman's um, recommendation was to... Um, have a more collegiate approach to communities in terms of protest and policing. And publicly, the Home Secretary, Willie Whitelaw, he um, was very much in favour of this approach, etc, etc. But at the exact same time, the Home Office decided to introduce different powers for the police, so much more paramilitary powers. And the police and and the Home Office met over a number of months to create a new 500-page manual. Um, This handbook was released in 1983 only to senior chief police officers. So the rank and file didn't even know of its existence. Um, And it it sanctioned um, dogs, horses, um, you know, plus using vehicles against crowds. While the police have always, you know, used horses against crowds, etc. This was this was confirmed by the Home Office, but it did not go through Parliament. It wasn't scrutinised by Parliament. I know as well as reflecting on the kind of the the people in power, there's lots of personal accounts in there um, of people who were there, the eyewitness accounts. What were some of the most egregious abuses that you heard from from those people? At Warrington, which was a 1983 um, industrial dispute for a newspaper, uh, Warrington near um, in the northwest, and you know there was a mass protest that came, and it was the first application of the handbook, um, and we met a number of people who had been in different places um, there, but basically they, at the end of the protest, they they the police shouted for the cameras to be switched off and the TV cameras switched off. Uh, after that, vehicles, uh, Range Rovers, were driven into the crowd across Wasteland. And if you imagine that it's pitch dark, you've been there for hours, you're cold. And it was described to us as terrorism because it was designed to terrorise. 
when I met with Colin and, and he told me of that, you could see the last 40 years coming back. And, you know, this has not gone away for people. There's another um, gentleman we spoke to called Richard who was pulled out by the Snatch Squads, um, you know, and he was beaten as he was as pulled out of the Snatch Squad. So I think for the first, you know, they, they really pushed forward this first application of the handbook. Um, but that, for me, really, it was a, a penny-dropping moment that this hasn't gone away for the people who've been on these protests because they haven't had resolution, because their history and their truth and what they saw and experienced is vastly different from everyone else's understanding of it. Yeah, I think that we're, we're incredibly grateful to the witnesses who spoke to us. The trauma they'd gone through was obvious from speaking to them and how that had stayed with them for many years and will be with them for the rest of their lives. Coming up, what can today's protesters learn from those who have gone before? Did you know you can get the big issues, award-winning journalism through your door every week? As a Better Pod listener, you can sign up to get a four-week subscription to the best in news, politics and culture for just £12. And we'll even throw in a stylish tote bag for free. Go to bigissue.com slash bigpod to find out more. A lot of times when I read the book, I just, I feel like I felt a multitude of different emotions. I feel like the ones that kind of stuck out the most to me was just a general feeling of powerlessness and just feeling kind of hopeless in terms of our government. And a lot of the times I was left feeling very discouraged at the future of our government and police force. And this was me reading without going through any of it. I was just wondering, did you feel similarly? Was anything that kind of stuck with you throughout the end? I mean, it's it's a brutal story. And um, part of the story is powerlessness. But we also were trying to... um, avoid the idea that we live in a police state, you, you know, that you can't do anything. And so what's what's wonderful as part of this story is, is the protests that sort of that, that, that win or that win something. So, I mean, the Poltats protest, as Maura mentioned earlier, was, was a tremendous success. Um, Margaret Thatcher on the day of the protest went to Cheltenham to uh, save Tory seat to... to to make a public speech saying I'm not come here to um, to retire, and within five months she had to retire because the fallout from that protest was so big that they had to get rid of the poltergeist. The first thing that John Major's government did was the first thing he did was to employ Michael Hesitine to find a way to get rid of the poltergeist, which is what they did. So that was entirely down to 200,000 people turning up at Trafalgar Square and 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 the, and the campaign around it actually in the non-payment campaign. So something that the big issue has been covering a lot recently, and I'm sure our listeners know about, is the new policing bill that's been introduced, So, which, which is where the government significantly changes and restricts the way future protests will be held. So I'm 18 years old, and I feel that this will kind of discourage a future generation of protesters from fighting for their rights in what they believe in. What are your thoughts on the bill? Uh, the, the bill is appalling. Um, it, as the book says, you know, the police have already got far too much power and where they've got discretion, they use it um, unfairly and, and aggressively. Um, we have a Home Secretary who's who just says that, you know, in writing she supports protests, but what she means by that is that we're allowed to protest if we uh, are silent 
and don't cause any disruptions and we turn up for 10 minutes, which is not any sort of protest that's won any sort of change. Um, of the changes that are coming in, I think that we've got the, the bill that's come in already and then we've got another bill that she's just she's just venturing on with. Um, so there's an act in place now, just come in recently, um, and it. the worst thing about it is it, the there are lots of things, but the worst thing is that for obstructing the highway now, which used to be able to used to get a fine if you were convicted, you, you can face up to twelve months in prison, and you can't have a jury trial uh, because um, they've extended the powers of the magistrates to twelve month sentence. So that is a real problem going forward. But I I think just to give a bit of comfort to an 18-year-old if it's possible that where you have vast numbers, the police don't always apply the law um, uh, so uh, quickly and they can sometimes use their discretion. I found the more that I grow up, the more I want to protest for my rights and just if I see anything wrong going on in the media, I kind of feel like this passion to speak up for what I want to do. But since I've never really been to protest before, I was just wondering what are some of the ways you could share with me and our listeners, some ways that we can protect ourselves during any protest that we go to in the future. Different protests are different, aren't they? But if you feel that they might, the, trip, the police may get involved, it's good to, to know your rights in advance and that, that people around you know their rights and that they have a number for a lawyer that they can, or a name for a lawyer, more importantly, that they can ask for um, on, on the day. Um, and it's good to look after each other, basically. You know, if you, if you hear... Someone's been arrested. You try and find out where they're going and make sure that they've got they've got representation. You, you know that's the sort of that's the worst case scenario. I think that, so. It's good to be prepared, but I also think it's good to um, be ready to argue with the police about discretion generally, <laughs> uh, as as a as a collective in a collective way um, that, that that it's inappropriate what they're doing. Um, where necessary. It's important to maintain the right and not let them squash it before we started. <laughs> I think it's very important that young people feel the ability to go out and campaign. How can people act to protect their right to protest? And is there anything we can learn from the history of how it's been suppressed? Even where the police have arrested people, for instance, in, in big numbers, and there have been cases where they've had good representation um, they've managed to succeed in the courts and expose what's happened. So a, a part of the student, student protest, um, the story in the book of the Hilliard brothers, um, they went through two trials and they were uh, acquitted in a second trial and then they won their civil action against the police. So they went full circle, having been accused of being uh, violent uh, brothers who were up to violent disorder, they were suddenly, the, the police had to apologise them for them. They never should have been arrested in the first place. I mean, that's an, a terrible ordeal for that family to go through, but it has helped to expose what happened on that day. Um, and the same with the Orgreave, you know, where they've used the most powerful power of riot against the miners, 95 miners. They, they succeeded in their trial. The police action was completely exposed. So I, th I suppose that's one lesson, is that um, we can win um, sometimes in the courts to expose what goes on. But I, I, I think more importantly that 
But the, the most important lesson is that where you have vast numbers, the police um, don't necessarily hold the power. And so in the, in the poll tax protest, uh, of course, the number of people arrested there and there were acquittals and there were convictions, but the fallout really from that was the end of the poll tax. So um, however much they rely on police and excessive force, it, it, it doesn't, um, doesn't mean that we can't win on the, on, the, on the overall big issue that people are protesting about. The police need to be accountable for their actions. I mean, that's one of the things in the book that we're hopefully exposing all the way through is how the lack of accountability and how they say that they are one thing but actually doing another. And it's the protesters that are vilified and the police are extolled at the end of every protest. So outside of any event, yes, we've got the courts, but also ask questions of the police, you know, ask you know, why are you behaving in this way? You know, the the um things were able to be turned around both in the in after the Sarah Everard vigil and the Bristol twenty twenty one protests. You know, the narrative that came out from the police and the government first of all was very quickly turned around because of people that were there and then that you know that had a groundswell, etc. as well. But you know I think every protest the police have marked their own homework. And then that's been hidden and it's not been released to the public. So, you know, demanding more of accountability and transparency, I think, may also help. Um, because at the moment, it, you have to go through the, you're going through the courts in order to get that accountability and, and recognition. One more example, which is obviously much more current, is the Sarah Everard protest, because they were told, you're not allowed to come to a peaceful vigil, um, which has subsequently been found to be unlawful. Um, direction to to the people who were told that but but people turned out nonetheless and then they were manhandled by the police but the 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 fallout from those brave people turning out um was was massive you know that the police had behaved completely inappropriately and and um and has shined a light on who the police are generally and stuff so i think that's an example where people who are being brave and standing up have overcome a draconian policing to make a better society. We do finish each of our podcasts by asking our guests three questions. I know that you've got some more pearls of wisdom to share with us. Sophie, please take it away. So first of all, what's one bit of advice you wish you'd known earlier? It's to have an open mind. Um, we, we came to this book with an open mind and that, and that led us to find so much more you know if you if you think you know the as mike mansell says at the beginning if you thought you knew the answer you don't you don't you know if we come with a closed mind we wouldn't have found half of what we did you need to constantly question uh, yourself and come with an open mind and you'll get much further than you would have so what's one piece of art and this can be in the form of books art pieces movies anything like that that gives you hope for the future Pride, the film Pride, which was about a, a group of um, lesbian and, and gay people who found solidarity with the miners during the miners' strike. So what's one thing our listeners could do today to make a better tomorrow? Read Charged. Um, inform yourself about what, what the history of protest is over the last 40 years and what the police have been up to in order to be able to prepare to protest tomorrow in a better way and support the Orgreave Truth and Justice campaign 
as well. That would be our, what you can do now is to support that campaign for the inquiry. Thanks for listening to Better Pod. If you'd like to support us, please subscribe, leave a review and tell your friends. We're relying on word of mouth to bring people into our conversation and to help us all discover how we can act today for a better tomorrow. You can keep up with all the Big Issues reporting at BigIssue.com where you can also discover how to find your local vendor.